Welcome to the People and Performance Podcast, featuring guest experts from such global brands as NASA, Salesforce, the Milwaukee Bucks, Staples Professional, IBM, Mutual of America, Zero, and Simon Sinek Inc. The show offers expert insights into the strategic capabilities and behaviors needed to grow and sustain employee performance. Welcome to another episode of the People and Performance Podcast. Hey, this is Bill Bannum. In this episode, we consider the role of senior HR leaders in the automotive industry, and we talk about some ways that the HR function will evolve over the next five to 10 years, plus how DEI efforts can continue to take center stage. Chris Buelling and I are joined this time by Ebony Davis. Vice President, Diversity, Equity and Inclusion over at Bridgestone Americas. Ebony was listed as one of Engagely's list of the top 100 HR influencers for 2021. So she's pretty famous as well as being an all-round cool person. Chris and I hope that you enjoy this episode of the People and Performance podcast. And if you do, please remember to like, comment and subscribe. Welcome, Ebony. Please take a minute and introduce yourself to our guests today. Well, hi, Chris, and hi, Bill. Thank you for having me again. Uh, Such a great honor. Uh, Personally, I am a native of Chicago. I'm a wife, mom, Christian, and just someone that truly values the experiences and blessings that I've had in my life. I value my close connections, um, and that's just really important to me. And you see that play into my professional uh, description, where I would say I'm an HR professional. I love integrating the people stuff into the business strategy. And I say stuff because people are complicated. We don't have a formula. There's not necessarily one strategy that fits us all. So I call it stuff. Uh, But I love integrating that into the business strategy. And I have a passion for leading teams and helping people. I wouldn't be where I am without the people that have guided me in my life. So I believe in paying that forward. So that's me. So in conclusion, she's a lovely person, listeners. Um, Hey, Ebony, lovely to have you back on again. When we last spoke on the the HR chat pod, your role at Bridgestone Americas was Executive Director, Talent, Culture and Diversity. And you've since been promoted to Vice President, (laughs) Diversity, Equity and and inclusion congratulations ebony firstly um t- <laughs> t- tell us a bit absolutely and, and now tell us a bit about this newish role i think you, you started in 2022 um and how it's mm-hmm. different from what from what you did before yeah so lots of fancy titles <laughs> but to boil it down uh i serve as the lead of diversity equity and inclusion for bridgestone america so that includes canada latin america and the u.s And in this role, I do a ton of strategizing and influencing. And I do that alongside my talented team of professionals that partner with the business, help with our learning curriculum, our employee resource groups, and our overall culture of inclusion. But what I would say about this role that I really want to highlight is that I also have authority. So a lot of times when we see a head of DEI, whether it's a chief diversity officer or vice president, a director, whatever you want to call it, they don't necessarily have the big team behind them, and they certainly don't have the bandwidth or the capacity to influence and to actually implement and drive change. But in this role, I actually do have that responsibility. So we execute new programs, whether those are 
culture and inclusion programs. Um, we also build learning modules, roll out new learning systems to deepen and accelerate the DEI journey. We create the data in partnership with our data analytics team, but we fully are in the conversation and helping to drive what metrics we look at across the business. And then we develop the processes as well to keep those leaders accountable. And then I partner quite a bit outside of the walls of Bridgestone, whether that's with our marketing team or our sales team, to look at different ways we can monetize DEI, how DEI can be an accelerant to their business strategy, or what partners we should be looking at, or how we represent our brand to different underrepresented groups. So it's a really fun role. I like to say it is definitely an amplified role from a DEI perspective, but from a talent management perspective, although that's no longer in my title, I still do a ton of uh, talent management work. So whether it's with the culture or branding of our culture, how we include inclusion there, whether that's messaging, succession planning, talent acquisition, um, or just how do you build pipeline for that underrepresented group, all of that is part of my job as well. So really, really fun job, really cool job, um, and I'm humbled to be able to lead it for Bridgestone Americas. The People and Performance Podcast, supported by Fidelo Inc., is dedicated to offering tips and expert insights into the strategic capabilities and behaviors needed to establish, grow, and measure the performance of employees. If you enjoy the show, why not subscribe and give us five stars through your favorite podcast app? Excellent, excellent, excellent definition. I'm glad you have that authority to make it happen because, yeah, you're, t- you're very too correct on that one. A lot of times it's just you're there and you can try to influence, but it sounds like you can influence a lot and, and put things in place. And brings us into the next question. You've got all this experience in talent management, so you're organized in organizational change and development, you know, deferred, comp- deferred compensation, conflict resolution, just regular human resource development and training and, and you know, delivery. You're, you're still doing parts of those things. But let me take you off of just at Bridgestone right now, but let's go back into and look and say to yourself, what are your predictions for ways the HR function will evolve over, over the next five to 10 years? And how will DEI efforts continue to take center stage? Yeah, that's a big question to think about. And it's my humble, small opinion, but a couple of predictions. I predict that we're going to continue to see the introduction of AI um, and auto, just automation in general, right? right? So, the labor market from a manufacturing perspective isn't necessarily growing. Um, people aren't wanting to do the heavy lifting manual jobs. People aren't wanting to do the, the mundane processes. So I think we're going to see even more of an infusion on AI and automation into the ways that we work. And I also think as the con- economy continues to ebb and flow, you know, markets are up and down. Uh, that has a lot of impact on how people are making choices about their life, what they're choosing to spend money on, how they're choosing to progress. And so if you think about the labor market, you're seeing uh, college admission rates decline and people doing different things, going into entrepreneurship or going into jobs like 
DoorDash while they figure out kind of what they want to do. And they're no longer staying with companies uh, for five to seven years. You're seeing turnover after one year, two years, three years. And so I think all of those things are going to create a bit of um, pressure on the labor market. I think organizations will continue to be lean. They'll have to get savvy about how to use, use tools and processes to fill in the gaps for where maybe they had people. And I think HR, as a result, will have to make sure that we are analytical, that we understand the insights from the data. So it's good to have data, but if you can't translate that into insights and then influence the business to make the appropriate decisions for your culture, for your people, and for longevity, that will be problematic. And then the last thing that I think that we will have to do is just be very agile. I think before HR was very personnel-based, it was policies and it was lots of heavy um, words to describe kind of what the culture was or what the benefits were. And I think in today's world where there's expectations and things are so dynamic, we're going to have to get really good about building in enough slack in our processes that allow us to adapt to the market and the changing demands that I mentioned, but also get really good at communication and transparency so that there's an element of fairness throughout the changes you make. And that's exactly where DEI comes in, right? It's about thinking about the whole person, not just a race or gender or one dimension, but thinking about how do you build holistic policies that connect to the human, that meet the needs of the different stages of life, the five generations that we have in the workforce, and making sure that they're equitable to all. And when you do that, I think that's when DEI comes to the forefront. It may not be something that you say, this is a DEI policy, but it is naturally embedded and threaded through the work that HR professionals do. Excellent crystal ball approach to it there. And I love the way you, you wrapped it up with, it's just going to be a natural part. DE&I should be a natural mm -hmm. part of what we do and how we do it. It should just be ingrained to everything we do. So wonderful. All right, let me shift your focus a little bit here uh, in, this, in the conversation. You've previously been keen to stress that what defines you is not the summation of your credentials, but it is the summation of your character. Talk to us about showing vulnerability as a leader and the role it plays in team engagement and DE&I efforts. Yeah, so call me a millennial, whatever you want to put on there, but I don't like labels. So uh, for me, the whole like, oh, she's a professional and she has this and this accolade, that's not what moves me, drives me, and it's not the reason I get up every day. For me, it's the values that I've had instilled in me, the perseverance, the uh, ways that I've had to overcome setbacks, those are the things that define me and drive me. So when I'm honest about who I am, I can connect to my, my employees in a very different way. And I think that's where respect come from, comes from. It's not, they don't respect me because I have a degree from the University of Illinois, which is an amazing organization, by the way. <laughs> I got my undergrad and my master's there, but that's not why they respect me. Those are just words on the paper. I believe they respect me because they know that I'm someone that's going to show up for them. They know that I'm someone 
that's going to care for them and care about their concerns. Um, and you can't do that without vulnerability. And I really believe vulnerability is key to authentic leadership. I will never lead like Bill and Chris, and that is okay because there's only one Bill and there's only one Chris and there's one Ebony and we all have our purpose and we all have a part of the whole to play. Um, but you've got to be able to lead authentically and show up for people. And you can't do that without vulnerability. And for me, that vulnerability comes from my character, the values that were instilled in me, the way I live my life, the way I try to give back, not necessarily words on a paper or degrees, which are important, but aren't the absolute for me. Okay, but between me and you listeners, uh, Ebony does also have lots of accolades. Uh, okay, Ebony, <laughs> let, let's, let's continue through. Um, I'm going to challenge you now for the next couple of questions to answer in my, one minute or less. Okay, rapid fire. Okay. A couple of questions Got for it. you. Uh, first of those is, in one minute or less, can you make the business case for investment in DEI? And as part of that, how does more investment in DEI translate into higher performance? go. Yes, I can make the case. Just read McKinsey's report. <laughs> <You'll see laughs> all of their research. So absolutely. Uh, but I will add one thing. I think investment in time. So it's one thing to invest more resources, more money. But when you invest the time to review the metrics, to look at the processes, to educate, to call out leaders when they're not exhibiting traits, that's when you see the shift in cultural differences. Again, read McKinsey for how that actually translates into business results. But I believe that when you make an investment, you will get an ROI on DEI. Nicely done. Just just read it, guys, and then that'll tell it for you. There you go. Uh, okay. Uh, one minute or less again, Ebony. Um, and this is a question that we ask of all of our guests. Okay. So um, feel free to add in a bit of uh, what you've mentioned elsewhere. We, we then take mm -hmm. these lovely snippets and we turn them into dedicated episodes sometimes using answers to these next couple of questions. Um, so the next one is okay. to answer in one minute or less, please. Can you share one piece of advice or some direction that you were given by a mentor, a leader or a colleague that inspired you to perform at a higher level in your career? Absolutely. So mentor and colleague and one of my first bosses said, listen, we are in HR, we're not birthing babies or saving lives, so keep balance. What I believe she meant by that is that when you are balanced and you understand that everything doesn't need a rapid fire answer, like this question, <laughs> uh, you have the ability to understand problems and so, uh, create solutions from different angles because, because you have time. And that time may not be three months or three years. It could just be three minutes. But thinking about it from different angles and making sure that you're not making split decisions uh, is something that I have kept with me. It has stayed with me. Uh, it keeps me grounded. It helps me think about things from different angles. And it helps me understand that time is a resource, not a hindrance. All right, Ebony, great answers. Great time talking to you today. We're at the end of the, the conversation. We like to ask all of our guests the following questions. First, from a, from a culture and people processes perspective, what does a high-performing company mean to you? Yep, so for me, it means a company that has a strategic plan that 
uh, can execute against that plan and that the employees know how to achieve it. And we put the right resources and prioritization around it. And in turn, you get leaders that create and leverage a culture, the culture as an accelerant to achieving the results. So it's this continuous cycle where culture is driving business results and business results are driving culture. And having a culture of accountability, collaboration, respect, trust, and having something that people can rally around so that they can have an achievement orientation mindset is absolutely something that I think uh, a successful company needs. And that's what it means to me. Awesome answer. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Last question. How can we and our listeners learn more about you and your work at Bridgestone Americas? Uh, so easy question, not an easy answer. So I'm not a huge fan of social media, but LinkedIn is kind of where uh, I go to to post things. You can follow me. You can follow Bridgestone Americas. You'll find a lot of the great work that we're doing with our marketing and our comms partners. Uh, you'll see our DEI annual report that my office drove, and you'll see a page where I um, actually contributed and talk about what it means. Uh, but that's probably the best way. And of course, you can listen to the HR Gazette podcast and hear more about what I've been up to over the past couple of years. Love that final plug. Great way to finish it. <laughs> Ebony, you are a superstar. Chris and I are going to find more ways to get you back on soon. But for now, we are. Yes. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Ebony. Awesome. My pleasure. <laughs> you too. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the People and Performance Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please remember to like, comment, and subscribe.